If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Get Lit with Becky Rabin podcast. I am your host, Becky, and this is your high vibe weekly dose of inspiration, motivation, and empowerment to help you shush your inner critic, break through your limiting beliefs, build up your self-worth, get out of your own way, and fearlessly step into your power. This podcast has been created to help you build a life that you love and a mindset that will take you places giving you the confidence and drive to live your most lit up life through this podcast we hope to give you actionable tools to take away and tips that will show you the way to turning your dreams into reality and becoming the best version of yourself this is for the dreamer the believer the go-getter and the inspired it's time to get lit Hey, and welcome back to the Get Lit with Becky Rabin podcast, the place to be to build a life that you love, a business that you are proud of, and a mindset that will take you places. In this episode, I sit down with award-winning psychological life coach and NHS therapist, Rebecca Kimberly. Rebecca works with her clients to help them start their journey back to themselves through a unique blend of coaching, therapy, and her own lived experiences of suicidal depression, social anxiety, and trauma. In this episode, we lay it all out on the table for a raw and honest conversation about how to truly overcome trauma and painful experiences in order to rediscover your truest self and reclaim your life back. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, my love. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you. Good. I'm so excited to have you here today. For you guys listening, um, this is a, such a lovely, sweet one for me. It's like a sweet spot. Rebecca was uh, has been a client of mine. Well, when was it you came to me? About a year ago, maybe? Less than? Yeah, I think October last year. Um, and we worked together for quite a long time to help her kind of build her coaching business. And she's been part of the clique. So for me, I absolutely love interviewing people who are experts that have come and come for our community. So this is a very special one for me. Rebecca is absolutely incredible. She is one of the most knowledgeable coaches I have ever, ever coached. Um, and her commitment to upskilling and up educating is just incredible. So today I really want to talk Bex like, for me, I feel like we've covered a lot of topics on the podcast and I really wanted to do something a little bit deeper and really help people overcome battles that they've had and trauma that they've perhaps suppressed and held on to from whether it's sexual abuse to addiction, to suicidal thoughts. And I've really wanted to wait to do it with someone who I know like has the capacity to support someone in that 
um, and through that rather than just someone who's experienced it like obviously your, you, yourself has. So today, guys, like I just want to caveat that there might be some triggers uh, in and amongst what we talk about. Um, and so just listen to it as and when you can and, and resonate with what does resonate for you. Rebecca's going to be on hand afterwards um, for you. I'm sure she'll welcome you all sliding into her DMs and, and getting in contact with more support in terms of working with her in a more formal manner, if anything in this episode kind of sparks something inside of you to want to work on yourself deeper. But I really would love to kind of hold a really raw and honest conversation today. So I know so many women struggle uh, with shame and guilt around trauma that they may have faced, like suppressing it, hiding it, ignoring it. Um, so I guess firstly, um, you have battled with your own kind of suicide, trauma, abuse. You've got your own epic story that kind of has led you where you are today. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that um, and how you've kind of ended up doing what you're doing today. Okay. So um, I guess it probably started around childhood. So I think my the beginning of my issues probably started in childhood. I was bullied a lot for being everything, too tall, too ugly, too smart, too different, not having enough friends, having too much friends, too much confidence, etc. Just always too something. Um, and I think I kind of remember growing up thinking that I wasn't good enough, um, feeling like I wasn't good enough. And then when I was 16, I think just before I turned 16, I was a victim of sexual abuse. And I felt too afraid to kind of speak out at the time. Um, so the rest of school experience was really difficult. I just felt even more isolated. I was moving a lot as well. So that was quite a different, difficult adjustment. And then when I went to university again, I was sexually abused again. So then I started to develop like depression, social anxiety, had symptoms of PTSD, and I really just needed support at the time. And unfortunately I didn't really get that from GPs, therapists. It wasn't you know, what I was looking for. And I was already studying clinical psychology at the time. And I think that's what cemented it for me that I wanted to become the therapist that I needed at the time and just be relatable and support people in the way that I needed it when I did. So obviously you had a very kind of difficult childhood and up like teenage years and kind of growing, growing up as a woman, becoming a woman for you, mm -hmm. like the, were those two, and I hope you don't mind me asking, but I think this might really resonate with people, were those two different sexual abuse experiences um were they different people they were yeah and do you see that a lot with your work where if a woman has kind of had sexual abuse that it's likely that she's had it again in like pre like more than once or is it does it really yeah. differ it really does differ like i've definitely seen both and it varies in terms of people knowing um their perpetrator and not knowing it's it's so varied yeah yeah and how like how did you feel around that time of like was was the sexual abuse the first trauma that you faced or was the bullying first you know what? I think it was a is a tricky one. I think what's difficult with trauma as well is it's not necessarily the kind of event, it's how you then interpret it and how it impacts you. Yeah. So I think at the time I felt like it probably didn't impact me as much as it did. I felt like the bullying was probably the the more thing that I was concerned about. And then it wasn't until I was an adult, like really struggling with relationships and sexual intimacy, I was like, oh my God, no way. It was definitely, you know, the abuse. So and that's tough... so interesting and we're going to kind of divulge into to that but i love what you said there about it's not necessarily when it happens in the moment it's how you handle it afterwards and i think like you said bullying is something that's so overt it's so like in your face like i would say most people have battled with being bullied like i was bullied as a child too 
Um, very early on though, it was like, and it stopped after that. I feel like I'm, something happened inside of me that was like, this won't be happening again. And I was literally like in year three or year two at school. I was so young, but deep down that cemented my lack of self-worth and belief in myself. And I remember it like yesterday, I was like not even four. I was, I was so young and I literally remember those kids bullying me. And I think like most people who are listening to this will relate to being bullied at some point in their life. But I love what you said. And it's really interesting what you said there about how it then shows up later on in life. So when we don't do the work around really facing, and we're going to talk about how we face it and what we do when we're facing it. But would you say that that's what happens with a lot of people is that it shows up in other areas later on in life when they perhaps struggle with intimacy or they struggle with like communication that then that's when they realize how much it played a role early on. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think part of that as well could just be due to not knowing how to process something like that at the time. Like I was 15. I didn't even know how to deal with a breakup, let alone, you know, abuse in itself. So it's really hard to kind of know what to do. And so the kind of common reaction almost is just to pretend like it didn't happen. Or there are people that do speak out. I remember I tried to at the time and I was just met with so many kind of unhelpful reactions that you just think I'm just going to let it go. But it does come up how what what are the is what are the right ways for someone to deal with it in the moment is it different for everyone or is it like is there something that someone can do straight after a traumatic experience to help you know alleviate the stress and the pain or how does that look when you say like you know I didn't know what to do what is the right thing to do it's so true like there isn't a kind of right thing to do there's loads of things that are kind of unhelpful to do and I think the unhelpful thing is just to suppress it Um, so I guess the helpful thing then is just to kind of really just acknowledge what's happened in the same way that you would acknowledge like something else. If you were, you know, if you had suffered a physical trauma, like being knocked over by a car or something like that, I very much doubt that you just jump back up and kind of get back to work. You would take the time to kind of allow your body to heal. Um, but unfortunately when it comes to this kind of psychological and emotional trauma, we just don't allow ourselves the time. We just think because I'm functioning, I'm able to kind of continue, but you know, it's the same thing. What are some of the other like unhelpful things that people do for themselves? Like there's a lot of talk and we're going to come to this, I think a little bit later about self-sabotage around, mm-hmm. are you calling that in? Is it a result of what you believe? We'll talk about shame. We'll talk- I really want to talk about all of those things because I think that there's a lot that can be clouded around whether it's sexual abuse or being physically abused or bullied, whatever it might be. Um, but how kind of does that, I guess, show up in a way um, like what are some of the negative things that people tend to do and almost self-sabotage what's happened to them like after something like that has happened so like obviously suppressing is one of them what other things do people yeah. do i think one of the biggest ones is um like self-medicating um that was definitely something for me like i would i was at university as well so i'd drink a lot and want to go out a lot just really kind of avoiding and anything i could do to kind of escape my own reality whatever that looks like so for some people that might be drinking it might be food it might be kind of getting into relationships it might be risky behaviors such as drug taking or like dating people that you know you shouldn't that make you feel like shit all of those things um but you're just kind of medicating yourself trying to fix yourself trying to kind of fill that void that was left behind with things that you know aren't really addressing the problem yeah and you said a lot about distractions there does that is that just a way of also just suppressing and ignoring that it hasn't exactly how detrimental is it to us to ignore and how important is it for us to face you talk a lot about like getting to the root cause and facing what you've been through how is that so important and why 
I think it's so important because like we say, it's going to come up time and time and time again, whether we want it to or not in various different ways. And sometimes we may not know necessarily what the essential root cause is, because it may be that people have gone through multiple traumas. And like I mentioned at the time, we may not know how difficult they might have been to process, but they do just come up in so many different areas that we just aren't aware of. And that then can turn into us developing toxic behaviors. It can also turn into a lot of people actually becoming um, you know, abusers themselves in different ways. So what is the psychology around when you've been through trauma and you've been through pain? Um, Mm. so like, I mean, I was watching the fool last night, right? I'm so into the fool. And it's interesting (laughs) because the guy is obviously like a sexual predator. He has all these fantasies. Um, Mm. Um, but then obviously it reverts back to the fact that he was abandoned as a child and he was obviously like losing, like had a void there to fill. How much of that is a part to play in like, when someone's distracting and essentially self-harming what are the reasons around the psychology around that like is it like you feel that that's what you deserve is it because you've been so used to it like well i know we talked a lot about your your background and your experience then you were kind of seeking feeling the same way is that is that a condition is that something that people think about or is it just really subconscious I think for a lot of people it's subconscious I mean that I'm sure there are people that are kind of like you know I've been through this I want to put someone through that as well I think that's probably if I were to think about it realistically quite a few like a very minimum amount of people I think it is this kind of unconscious thing like we can all experience I think it's just so interesting because we can all experience similar things and kind of react to it very differently for a lot of people it might just be the kind of unconscious that I'm just not safe and so therefore I don't want to be in a position of not being safe so I'm actually going to be in a position where I am safe which means essentially harming somebody else without necessarily even meaning to so there are so many different kind of reasons and it's kind of the thing of you know when bullies often they're bullying because there's something that's happening at home or something like that there's there's always these reasons but that's not an excuse at all so when you're kind of going through something it's we always try to think about the other person and you know what was going on for them that's no excuse um but it's just interesting that you know our own experiences can have an impact later on in life for sure so like basically each of us takes a different thing from the trauma that we face and mm-hmm. creates a story around it and we're going to talk about like identity around your trauma and stuff but um how important is it and how does someone bring awareness to how these patterns like obviously for me I, I think it's incredibly important to get a coach right because there's mm-hmm. someone who will help you see that but so as a coach so someone's gone to get a coach um how have how can you support someone through um I guess facing that experience um and becoming aware of what their own behavioral patterns and needs and voids are how does how does that look when you're working with someone yeah I think the first thing is always going to be validation um, and that's something that I didn't get when I needed it. Just that I believe you, I hear you, I see what you're going through. Um, I think that's so important. And often, you know, I, I myself have to be careful that because somebody's telling me that I might incorrectly assume that I know what it's like for them and I don't just because I've been through something similar. So I think it's about just providing that really safe and confidential environment where, you know, people can share all of their thoughts and emotions that are related to the abuse and just, knowing that your feelings matter because I think that people who feel validated do so much better in therapy and coaching and whatever it is and especially in the case of survivors of sexual trauma that is so so important and um, so I think that is the the most important thing I don't think there is one particular thing that's helpful apart from that space because I don't, nothing is going to come from that if someone is not feeling validated 
that's really interesting. I never thought of that. Sometimes they just want someone to say, like, I hear you, I believe you. Like, because is there a lot of um, fear around when people are showing up talking about any kind of form of abuse or bullying or trauma around whether they're going to get believed or not? So much, yeah, so much. And it can come from kind of various things about, like I said, reaching out to people and people not believing you or even just the, the way that the system is about um, particularly uh, sexual abuse victims where you know having to go to the police and being questioned on what you've done it's a process that nobody wants to go through anyway um, and it's very kind of victim blaming so anywhere you go you kind of have that fear about am I going to have to explain myself am I going to have to explain why I was out there or what I was drinking or what I was wearing all those things that you know why does that matter yeah. and sometimes those questions just come up you see it on Instagram you see it everywhere and you're just thinking why would I want to open up about that yeah of course so the people just suppress it so you talk a lot about uh, exploring their thoughts and feelings how can someone do that how, how important of a part of that work is for you and what you do with, with clients like what kind of thoughts and feelings show up for someone who's been through trauma and how can they work to change those beliefs I think it's so important because it's the kind of thoughts and the kind of feelings and behaviours that are maintaining that sense of guilt, that sense of kind of the fear that it's going to happen again. So, so many kind of people end up ruminating about what's happened. You know, how did I, how did this happen? How could someone do this to me? What could I have done to prevent this? And initially it's about, you know, that validation and just acknowledging that, you know, this has happened to you. Um, and it's understandable that those thoughts are there but what they do is that they were very helpful at the time when you're trying to process what's happened or you know trying to get through what's happened but then we're taking those thoughts and emotions and applying it to our present where we may actually be safe in this moment so they're no longer kind of serving a purpose and then we're acting as if you know we're still back in that moment and that we're not safe and so therefore that can also look like sabotaging relationships that are quite good um, because you fear that the same thing is going to happen again. So it's basically saying that what people do is they kind of go into like a flight or fight state where they create these thoughts and these beliefs to help them survive through mm -hmm. what they've been through. And then what happens is that then becomes their thoughts and their beliefs for everything in life and it manifests mm -hmm. out. So how can someone start to change that? And like, how do you support someone in, in changing and kind of uh, exploring their thoughts and their feelings? I think um, definitely we start to look at monitoring them. So how often are they coming up? How much does someone believe in that as well? Because sometimes we kind of rationally know that actually I am good enough, but in the moment I just don't feel it. So yeah. there's this kind of disconnect between what we're kind of what we know to be true, your kind of wise mind and our emotional mind. And a lot of the time our wise mind is kind of out the window, especially when our emotions are so high. So we're trying to kind of really assess the validity of those thoughts and how true are they and start to then kind of unpick that and unpack that and start just questioning that you know where did this thought come from how much do i believe that and um, so much different ways that we can try to, to explore that and how important is it also to kind of identify your triggers because i know that there will be some people who are like kind of fine or like you know, they've dealt with it and they you know they find they feel fine for a while and then something might just trigger them how can someone start to look at what their triggers might be that could bring up a past trauma and kind of bring that out to yeah. so we'd be asking typically when uh, people feel a lot worse um usually the first stages of therapy are about kind of tracking these things and it can be really interesting then noticing oh okay so this tends to come up when you've had a difficult conversation with your partner or when you're around your friends a lot or certain things we can start to kind of identify what those things are for some people they might have very specific triggers like if they've been through you know a traumatic event or an, are suffering from kind of ptsd symptoms it might be that it could be something so 
kind of small that we wouldn't even notice that the person was wearing a red shirt and now every time I see a man in a red shirt I'm back there it can be something like that and that's something that we might struggle to kind of identify um initially because again it's something so small that someone isn't kind of consciously aware of but again it's just any moment where someone feels unsafe and it it then may not also the trigger itself may not necessarily be that important, such as when they're having difficult conversations with men, or if a man shouts at them, for example, then that can be a trigger. It's just kind of what that trigger means to them that can be a problem and that we're trying to work on as well. It's all really about how an individual interprets their experience and the feelings that they have, like yeah. what they take from it. I mean, we had a, an example recently where a friend saw a message from a guy and she made up what she thought that meant and she sent it to us and I was and she yeah. was, was being really funny with me like I feel I feel silly like I feel like he's just like completely schooled me and like put me down and I listened to it and I was like dude he's being really cheeky with you like he's being funny yeah. it was like yeah. the mindset because I was in a positive mindset but she was in an insecure mindset of like I'm attached here so is that kind of what you're saying obviously it's like a really like tongue-in-cheek like example but is is it really just like that that person almost having to take responsibility for what the story that they have created in like, or they, that the, the frame of mind that they're perhaps in in that moment of time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And, you know, it, it is important to kind of acknowledge when those things do come up and we, because of what we've gone through, we're kind of, you know, seeing the world through a different set of eyes. And sometimes it might actually be that people are in very triggering relationships. And so then we're looking at how helpful is it to be in that relationship? Do we need to step out? Some people in our lives are, triggers or are kind of sources of the problem so we need to work on that but often it is just these things where we're just not sure and so we're kind of interpreting it as I've had this happen to me before it's going to happen again again and so I want to talk about the story because I think the story is quite important and you talk a lot about like um, how people like identify themselves and define themselves by their trauma what does that mean uh, what do you mean when you say like how you can overcome being defined by your trauma what does that mean okay so I think I'll use my own example that for me whenever I got into a relationship for example I would talk about my trauma as though it was like on my cv I would just be like oh you know this is what I've gone through and it just became a kind of narrative of my life that I'm a survivor of uh, sexual abuse twice and I've gone through this I've gone through this I've gone through that and I think part of that might have been because I'd like, don't do it to me again. I've gone through this already. But also part of it might just be because I just didn't know what else to say about myself. I didn't believe that I was a good person or that I did um, amazing things because I just didn't. So I'm like, this is, this is just what I've gone through. This is me. Similarly, um, going through kind of depression and things like that, it just became part of my identity. I'm like, oh, I'm just a depressed person. Oh, it's because of my anxiety. What that then meant is that I would kind of make excuses for myself for not being able to do things and not being able to have a great relationship because, oh, I didn't deserve it because I've gone through something like this because I'm damaged goods. Um, and so part of that is, especially when you've gone through trauma from a young age or it's something that you've experienced quite consistently, it's actually quite hard to just let go of that because it has become part of your identity because what, what do I know? I've kind of essentially almost lived more of my life with trauma than I haven't. So who, do, who am I? So it's a lot about kind of identifying who, who you are um, and which parts you want to hold on to. Because, again, it's a controversial topic, but there's so much that I've learned about myself through going through trauma that I would never have known or never have become had I not. And I can't kind of, I'm not saying that I deserved it. Hmm? 
Do you mind me asking what some of those things are that you've realized? Yeah, oh God, I'm so resilient. Um, I learned to stick up for myself because I know what happens when I don't. I am so kind of strong. I know that there are certain things I know I can get through. So when things happen in relationships and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going through this again. It doesn't feel like the end of the world because I'm like, oh, you survived this. It's painful, don't get me wrong, but I'm like, I can do it. Um, so there are certain things I just know. I know how to take care of myself more. I know what my triggers are. I know, you know, when I'm heading to a bad place, I know what I can do to help myself. Yeah. I think there's so much strength that can come from when you're just in a bad place. So there was so much, like I tried to work with people to figure out, you know, what, what has this taught you and what are we going to kind of take forward with? What are we going to leave behind? So my work is based on kind of bringing themselves back to themselves, the journey back to you. And part of that journey is what are you going to leave behind and what are you going to take with you? Actually, I don't want the kind of blaming. I'm going to leave that there, but I might take the bit about actually just being a bit more cautious because I don't need to get into a relationship with every guy that says hello to me yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know what am I going to kind of take with that and just developing a new identity that doesn't have to revolve around oh I'm a victim of this yeah. but actually that's just part of my story that's not the whole thing even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That is powerful, and I think a lot of people we see that in a lot of work, even in my line of work, people create identities for themselves as like, Oh, I'm the girl that went through this. And how much do you think of that? And I know this is probably a difficult question for me to ask, but how much do you think of that is because they actually uh, I talk a lot about like it's the role we know how to play, right? So I obviously was born into a world without a father. Whilst it wasn't a trauma I went through, it was a traumatic experience in my family, and I was born with this void. And the trauma around it was that I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have a dad, no father figure stepped in, and everyone was kind of overcompensating. And so what I learned was men leave, uh, you know, men go, and there was like this this story that I had created, um, and it become like a bit more of a repeating pattern. And I think what actually happened is I seeked out partners. Uh, a lot of the work that I've done for myself is I seeked out partners who I knew would leave and who would hurt me because deep down I actually enjoyed playing the victim. 
deep down I enjoyed being in the, the only place I, I didn't think I was deserving or worthy enough of feeling epic love and being happy. So I felt like I was deserving of like, you know, for me, I was like, and I, I still sometimes do those sort of things where I put myself in positions so that I'm upset because that's what in relationships is that's what I know. So obviously like I'm mindful of how I word this and I want to talk about that actually in a minute about how, you know, I want to talk about shame and guilt and blame and kind of all of those things. But I had to take responsibility, I guess what I'm saying, is that I was trying to make myself feel that pain and hurt that's all I know. So where does the line blur between it being what you believe you're worthy of having so that you, you almost seek out and, and, and feel more comfortable in that victim mindset? Because um, obviously you are a victim, but like, you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think there, there definitely is an aspect of that. And I think that's why it's so important that the validation comes first, because once you kind of feel validated about what you've gone through, then you're in a better position to kind of think about your responsibility. And yeah. when we're talking about responsibility, we're not talking about you being responsible for what's happened to you by any means. Yeah. It's about being responsible for your healing. So how, what do I know now? And how am I going to kind of prevent this from happening? What, what is my role to play in here? And that's, that's completely it. Like I know for myself, I would put myself in a lot of situations, like you say, that I know weren't helpful, but I just knew how to deal with it. I know how to, to work with being cheated on. I've been there loads of times. I know how to play that role. I cry. I forgive you. We move on. And that's just what I knew how to play. So um, and you kind of, I hear a lot. And I used to say a lot like, oh, I don't want the nice guy because that's just boring. Because I learned that actually being in relationships should be dynamic. It should be dramatic. There should be this kind of passion. It should be, I hate you and all of that. When I just had to learn that that is not, that's not okay. That's very toxic, but that's what I was kind of seeking. And that's what I was expecting. Yeah. So is it about redefining a lot? Because obviously you talk about rediscovering your true self and you know, that's where we're getting to the, the kind of nuts and bolts of this so that you can reclaim your life. Right. So uh, remove that identity and step into a new place so how much of that is um the work around i guess do, does someone have to start fresh and get really clear about like what are their values what do they want what feels good for them what do they i, I remember for me i had to really redefine what love meant because for me love was this and it was a really good book actually it's well it's return to love it's the marianne williams of return to love she talks about special love and she talks about holy love um, and it's it's quite spiritual but she's like special love is what people think is love this hot intense fueled by anger like my relationships just like you said they were fueled with anger and passion and intensity and I love you so much but oh I hate you so much and she's like that's not love that's hate there's such a close line between love and hate and actually like holy love is when you just feel comfortable and I was like god I've, I've never I didn't like that to me sounds boring so I had to really redefine what love meant to me how much of that work do you do with people and what other things do you help them do to help them really reclaim their life and really find their true self what does it take to find your true self well a lot like you say beginning of it a lot of self-discovery because really we never like a lot of people even if you haven't gone through trauma but especially if you haven't gone through trauma actually you never really kind of sit down and consider what you want and what you value and how well things are going and you know everything about yourself so there's a lot of kind of that work and to be fair like a lot of people and for myself I just didn't know so when I was first asked that question I was like I don't know whose responsibility is that to know like I need somebody to tell me so a lot of that then comes from just taking a bit more risk. You know, what kind of person do I want to be? Um, asking a bit more. I had to do a lot of kind of developing my own narrative, speaking to my parents, my 
family, my sisters, everybody, you know, people I grew up with, what was I like when I was younger? What do you remember? Because all I remember was the trauma, whereas they remembered, oh, there was this one time you like made the whole class laugh and, oh, you really used to enjoy performing arts. And I'm like, oh my God, did I? So I had to kind of reconnect with what are my hobbies? What do I want to do? And not because I thought I, the reason why I started the gym, I wanted to kind of have that revenge body. I'm still waiting for it, but that's because I was fueled for it. Like I was fueled by my revenge to kind of do it. So it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I thought that was part of my identity and it wasn't. So I had to figure out what do I really want? And that's also what we're trying to do with clients who've gone through things is actually, what do you want? And you don't know what you want and what you want to do until you just go for it. And then you realize actually that works for me and that doesn't. So it's kind of the safe space to explore that. And the person that you feel like you can't be, who says that? because of what you've gone through, because you're kind of not allowing yourself to go through that anymore. We just need to give ourselves permission to just go for it and become that. Do you think it can be scary for someone to really, um, I guess if I'm thinking about all the work they do around getting out of your comfort zone, how difficult it is to change. Like, do you think that's part of the issue sometimes is that people are really scared to let that narrative go. They're scared to let that story go because that's who they know, that's who they are, that's what they know, that's the role that they know how to play, it's the outcome they know what happens. Like, you know, you go to date a guy and you know, you, like a certain type of guy, you know you're gonna get hurt, you know you're gonna end up into, you know the outcome. Whereas if you change your behavior, you don't know what's gonna happen and there's no control over what's gonna happen. Do you think that's a big part to play as to why people hold on to their, like, their trauma yeah. for a long time? Yeah fear of the unknown and that kind of the unknown feels so much more scary and you know difficult than actually what you're going through right now so because you've been through that pain you just become so familiar with it and um, you become so familiar with that story yeah. and almost okay with kind of adding to the story that the opposite is scary yeah so I do want to move into um just talk a little bit about the shame and the guilt that, that kind of mm -hmm. comes around and the, the blaming because I obviously haven't experienced like a, a, a traumatic there's not been like a fundamental traumatic experience for me there has been moments where people have said to me the way that you show up it's a, a, like there's a few things in my life where I've been asked has there been sexual abuse like that's happened to you and I always say well I'm not you know not that I remember so it could completely be something that was very suppressed from a very young age um, but I've never had like a traumatic experience. So I don't obviously understand what goes on around the shame and the guilt that someone feels when they have the blame as like, am I blaming myself? Um, and you put a post up really recently and it really even made me think about how, you know, we, I do it. I do it a lot. I talk about you manifest your reality. You create the reality that's coming in for you. Um, you know, I, I do kind of drive past like homeless people on the streets and I think to myself like I'd really love to know what your thoughts and your beliefs are like what do you truly believe you're deserving of and you're worthy of it's very easy in my line of work to kind of just completely and very quickly say to someone like well it's your thoughts and your beliefs and how worthy you think you are that manifests what happened to you in your life but I'd never really thought about the fact that that can be quite triggering for someone who's been through a traumatic experience and, and isn't aware enough of all their triggers and like emotions and thoughts and feelings and what's happened to them um how and it really hit me that like that can really just make someone feel that they are to blame for what mm. happened to them so how important mm. is it to kind of explain a little bit more about what you meant about that post i think yeah. it's, i think there's a lot of coaches that obviously listen to this as well um mm. and it might help them a little bit too yeah so the post was about kind of the problem being the problem and the problem not being your mindset or kind of your behaviors or things like that and i think it's so important to this differentiate the two yeah. because the problem is the kind of the cause the trigger 
So the problem is, for me, my sexual abuse, for many people, various things, right? It might be poverty, it might be whatever it is. That's the kind of problem. And sometimes in therapy, in coaching, we're unable to tackle the problem for whatever reason. And so then we are looking at the mindset, but a lot of the kind of language that we might use, and it's in so many self-help books as well. I think that's what kind of triggered it off for me specifically um, about, you know, manifesting your own reality and being in control of what happened to you so there was this book i read about you know that you're you're kind of responsible for what happened to you and i'm thinking wow like yeah to a degree nowadays there are things that you know i sabotage myself completely and i completely understand like yeah i did that to myself that was not the universe that was me that was not so and so that was me i completely did that um but when you think about people who've been kind of abused and even in childhood how are you saying that a child is responsible for what they've gone through like what what could a child possibly have done to have deserved that reality for themselves when you're kind of thinking about a 40 year old who's kind of well however old you know when we when we then have the awareness about what we're going through and kind of carrying on that narrative and being that child that's happened to a degree yes there is some responsibility that we need to work on in terms of our mindset and things like that but i think that's again where the validation comes in that this is what's happened to you and we need to uh, understand that because there is no way that anyone's going to change their mindset if they're being told like this is this is my this is your problem problem. yeah yeah yeah. and I think it is like you know I do really believe it's about when you are aware and you you know you can choose am I going to let this hold am I am I going to do something about it to change this or am I going to let this repeat for me so again not a trauma in my eyes but I got to the point where I was like am I going to keep playing the same role and repeating the same cycle in relationships because of what happened to me or because of what I know about love or am I going to do something about changing my beliefs yes it's sticky yes it's hard yes it doesn't always work yes I have days where I'm like this is painful will my thoughts ever change because I'm saying it but I don't believe it still And so we all have, I think anyone listening to this, whether they've been through a trauma or how traumatic or on the scale, like what even defines how traumatic your trauma is. It's like, I think maybe that's got something to do with it as well is like how people think that their trauma is worthy of someone else's trauma. Just out of interest, just because I actually did, I have a mastermind at the moment with a bunch of girls in it who are learning to become coaches. And a big part of what I say to all of my coaches, as you know, is you've got to own your story. What have you been through? Because that will be exactly how you support people. That will be exactly what you help people with. And for a long time, one of the girls was like, I don't really have a story. Nothing really traumatic's happened to me. You know, I'm listening to this person talk about how her dad died and this person talk about how she's overcome addiction. For me, I've just battled like self-esteem, you know, a few relationship problems. And then when she finally showed up and shared her story, I was like, whatever do you think defines that as not being a story to tell? Like just because a, a one fundamental thing didn't happen in your life, like you've been through some terrible relationships and experiences and you've had to face this and you've really battered yourself with this and like food problems. And like, do you think that that's quite a big part of people why they don't own up and, and maybe suppress it is because yeah. they don't even think their story is worthy of telling. They don't even realize it's a big deal. Exactly, exactly that. And it's just so interesting because as you're saying that, I've definitely done that where I'm like, oh, well, technically, I mean, it didn't, like, you know, just kind of excusing what's happened to me or like, yeah, it wasn't so bad because I'm, I'm okay now or whatever it is. So we always kind of find a way to do that. And sometimes we do kind of think that something so massive has to happen or we have to hit a com- kind of complete breakdown to have a story when really it could just be something so, you know, small in the context of, of what it is that we're thinking about. But to you, that was a defining moment. Um, and it's just about kind of figuring out what that is. 
Yeah, it's like how many times I caveated, like, my dad died before I was born, but, you know, I didn't know any different. I didn't go through the trauma. And it's like, I have to, I have to communicate that, like, you know what, like, I wasn't the unlucky one that had to go through it. Um, but really what, it is so traumatic that I was born into a world two weeks after my dad died and never got that cuddle that, like, you know, I was so close, but so far. I need to own that that's a trauma for me and that that's, like, a very defining moment that shaped a lot of my life and face it because for 26 years I ignored it and pretended that I didn't know any different and I pretended that like it didn't matter and I think if you guys are out there and you're listening to to Becky kind of talk about this work and it's something that you have ignored and it's something you haven't I can't tell you how important it is to get yourself a coach and to have someone coach you through that and I just want to share on, on, on that matter as well like you've got to like start seeking the right coach how important is that Rebecca when we're dealing with like guilt and shame and trauma because I get so many DMs from girls being like, do you do coaching and life coaching? And I'm always like, look, yeah, I, I could do life coaching, but it's just, I choose to do more business coaching and I show up as a life coach in, you know, my podcasts and workshops yeah. and stuff like that. But I will, and that's why we set up the Get Lit Life list, right? So we set up the directory for coaches so that you guys can go on there and really choose people who are right for you. Because Becky, just share with the team or the team or the audience, the people, just how many qualifications you have. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just um, finishing my fourth degree in like psychology therapy. I'm about to start my fifth one, and also my coaching diploma as well, which I've got. So it's all there, and life experience. <laughs> yeah. So she's a coach, she's a therapist. You're on your doctorate as well, aren't you? You're about to embark yeah. on the doctorate. Um, and so I just want to kind of caveat to you guys, like I know it's traumatic, and I know there's a lot to be faced. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that people shy away from doing work is like. I, I can't tell you how many of my friends who are just starting their personal discovery journeys will come and sit and have a session with one of my friend coaches or like a, a, a card reader and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this because they don't want to face it. So to support you and give you that safe space, please reach out to the right kind of coaches who have the qualifications um, and the experience to help you with what you're going through. Um, I just want to kind of finish off, I guess, on some top tips before we go, because mm -hmm. um, it's been really insightful. And I know that there's, you know, probably a lot of people who are like now thinking that they need the support. So um, I am assuming, like, I guess, firstly, how tra trauma might show up at like having a, a, a situation or a trauma traumatic experience happen to someone might show mm -hmm. up in like how they relate in relationships and show up with their self-worth but what other things do you see like for example like anxiety is that something that's like a complete correlation with someone who's been through trauma definitely there's so many the anxiety depression um even just kind of feeling guilt shame on a daily basis feeling fearful a lot of people anger as well um and just numbness i experienced dissociation for a long time i couldn't feel anything couldn't feel happy couldn't feel sad you know had bereavements and I just didn't even I knew it happened but it just there was nothing there I remember going to therapy just to kind of just to cry and I didn't end up crying until like 12 sessions in and I just thought oh my god this feels so good yeah. just numb so a lot of people just feel completely like disconnected and it can kind of show up in some people might kind of feel fine but they might have insomnia or just fatigue can't concentrate um feeling quite on edge things like that it can just show up in different ways also it holds in the body like so much so it's so common that a lot of people their kind of complete right side is just not working completely numb or they've got migraines and migraines and migraines and have had every single test to kind of check why that is until they've dealt with the trauma and then it's just gone so it's it's so varied for different people 
interesting. Okay, so if you were to give, like, obviously with a lot of your work, you know, your whole thing is about rediscovering your true self, removing the past and reclaiming your life so that you can have freedom and, and you know, find a positive place inside of yourself. So if you were to give someone three tips, yeah, three tips that would help them see how they can kind of get out of that dark place and out of, like owning the identity of being in trauma to becoming a more positive um, person and like, I guess, reclaiming their identity and their true self, what would they yeah. be? Okay, so I would say the first thing would be self-care. And I think that's important and it's something we can practice in so many different ways. It's a big word, but there's so much different ways we can do it. So um, it's a kind of start of somatic healing and it, like looking after yourself, it's not a luxury. It's just the very thing that we deserve. So it's important as well to remember that with self-care, it's not about taking your distress away, but it's just about making your distress more tolerable. Because yeah. often we think, you know, what's the point of doing that? Why do I need to have a bubble bath? Why do I need to take care of myself? Well, it's just the very minimum that you deserve. So of course, things are going to kind of feel a lot more easier once you do that. I think the second thing, which is so important generally, but also for um, people who've gone through sexual trauma is just honoring your body. Um, so when you suffer from trauma, you can feel like your body is no longer yours or that it's not deserving of, you know, being respected and looked after. But it's so important that we kind of meet our physical and mental health needs. Once our kind of mind and body are interlinked, it can just be so powerful. And when you go through trauma, it just feels completely disconnected. So as I was mentioning before, that your body does physically hold a lot of trauma, even if you don't kind of feel it right away. And there's just a lot of heavy energy that can sit in it. So respecting it, what you're eating exercising so much different things who you sleep with it's just there's so much different ways that you can kind of do that and then I would say that um you know just see yourself as worthy enough to even just invest in getting to know yourself even if you don't believe that you are worthy as a person that will come just see yourself as worthy enough to kind of be able to process this and give yourself time to process it understand who you are who you are right now and acknowledging that you get to choose how the story ends you survive to tell the tale and you are so deserving to kind of finish that I absolutely love that like knowing I feel like that's such a big thing in this industry at the moment is and I say it a lot you know you are worthy you are deserving you've got to believe that you can have it but we don't sometimes just say to people like you're worthy enough to just start the journey like you're worthy enough to just even begin to find like your self-compassion and your self-care and instead of like you're worthy enough to have everything you want in life which is all the way over here and it's going to take years to get there it's almost like you're worthy enough to just to start owning the space and learning about yourself. I absolutely love that. I guess, is there anything else at all that we haven't covered around trauma that's really important or overcoming? Because you talked about, what do you say? What's that? Healing? Systematic healing? It's systematic. What's that? So kind of the physical healing um, that we can get from, you know, therapy. A lot of, a lot of ways that, um, so when we talk about somatic symptoms, they're kind of symptoms in the body that show up. Um, and it's really common with various mental health difficulties anyway, but it's that we're not just healing kind of the mind in this abstract, abstract concept, we're also healing your body in the same way. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with people with trauma and so much physical symptoms that they've gone to GPs for for years yeah. have just vanished after like a few sessions. It's crazy. I'm a real big believer in this. You know me. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the mind, body and the connection and energy. Yeah. And, um, I There's so many incredible books about how you know, trauma and emotion basically manifest in our body. And I actually had a massage the other day. It was unbelievable. And it was an energy like trauma releasing. And I can feel the difference. She was literally like massaging my sacroiliac joint and the lower back. And she was like, I am releasing 
so much like trauma and grief here. And it's like the next day I felt like some stuff had left my lower back and that my pain had gone. So I think there's definitely a lot to be said there. And I love that kind of the two worlds emerging in that way. Um, So if you were to say something, one thing to a woman who has suffered um, depression, a traumatic experience. I mean, we haven't even gone into mental health. I was going to go there, but I think that's a whole other conversation. Um, What would you, what would one bit of motivational advice be um, to that person to help them, I guess, go from that dark place into becoming their most lit up self? Okay. I would say I'm offering you some validation here. Like it's not your fault, whatever you've gone through. Just remember that we are so, so incredibly resilient. It's in our nature. And it's just never too late to resolve any issues that you're going through. So you are seen, you are heard, you are loved, and there are safe spaces that exist for you. Uh, It's never too late as well. Like, I love that. I think some people think that, yeah, beautiful words. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's just been an absolute honor to have you on today. Um, For anyone listening, do you just want to share with them how you support people one-to-one with your coaching? Yeah, of course. So um, with my coaching, it's kind of a blend of coaching and therapy, kind of do psychology informed coaching or for one-to-one therapy and coaching really just to help you to identify everything that we've mentioned, discovering your true self, reclaiming your life again, let go of that emotional baggage that you've been holding on to. Um, So definitely reach out to find out more about how we can support you in doing that. Um, And you can find me on Instagram, Rebecca Kimberly or my website, rebeccakimberly.com. Amazing, well, thank you so much. You've been amazing and thank you for sharing your story as well. Thank you for having me. Later, my love. Bye. You have been listening to the Get Lit with Becky Rabin podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please don't forget to head to beckyrabin.com to access all of my blogs and free downloads. And for all business owners, head to getlitinc.co.uk to access all of our online workshops, bundles and courses to help you grow your business. In the meantime, please do rate and review our podcast so that we can keep bringing you more motivational litness. Thank you so much again for listening. Go and get lit, hun. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.